Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Man in the Post Weekend Review Show. I'm your host, Ali. Joining me, as always, we have Newcastle's favourite son, Mr Dave Black. Dave, how are we? Hi, Ali. I'm, uh, I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Christmas decorations just gone up. And Jack Grealish's fan club number one subscriber, Simon O'Regan. How are we? Very good, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. I'll, I'll break the fourth wall and say I messed up and this is the second attempt so if, if Dave sounds even more depressed when we talk about the first game <laughs> it's all on me so um, we have almost a full round of fixtures after the, the pay-per-view fiasco was scrapped and we've got every game live on TV for free again um, so we started the weekend off as I say Dave sorry um, Newcastle nil, Chelsea 2 um, I, I know we've discussed it in length so just, um, just your brief thoughts on the game again um, and then we'll, we'll quickly move on from this game. Uh, well, I just thought Newcastle were um, very uh, negative. Um, obviously played more or less five at the back and had only one intention, which was to stop Chelsea scoring, which went out the window after about 10 minutes. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, other than a very brief rally in the second half, we obviously Chelsea got the second goal, which they more than deserved, and that was it. Um we uh, we're going nowhere in a hurry, and if anything, we're going we're going backwards. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 kind of I kind of developed a soft spot for Newcastle. As I said to you many times, I was never a big Newcastle fan, um, and then obviously Rafa came in, and you've got that kindred spirit for me. Um, so it, it's it's tough to see with such a such a club this size. Uh, Simon, again, we mentioned briefly, obviously, in the the non-recording show. <coughs> I mean, Chelsea quietly going about their business. Um, for me, now this is this is one I want to bring you in on. Anyway, I was going to bring it up. Mason Mount, I feel, has been unfairly criticised a lot of this season because his name's Mason Mount. It seems far too much yeah. comparison between him and Grealish. For me, they're both really good players. I I think Mount's been one of Chelsea's most consistent players this year, um, and I, I see Lampard getting a lot of stick, saying he's like a he's a, he's a favourite. But for me, he's getting picked surely because he's just the most consistent player just now. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? And obviously the, the comparisons with your own Jack Grealish. Um, in, in terms of the comparisons to Grealish, and I don't think you can really compare them in, because I think they're, they're very different players. I think Mount is more of a midfielder that sort of yep. breaks into the area to, to get on the end of things rather than a creator. Whereas I think Grealish is a more creative player and on the ball it probably carries it better. Um, in terms of mounts this season, um, to be fair, as you say, he's, he's, he's getting pits for Chelsea, you'd assume, and quite clearly on merit. It's not like they're short of options. So 
the fact he's getting pits week in, week out would, would suggest that he's doing something right. And, you know, I'm sure uh, as he might get a bit of stick on, on social media, but I'd, I'd like to think that the, uh, the professionals at Chelsea know a bit more about about football than uh, some twats up behind the laptop. <laughs> I think he's uh, I think he's brilliant to be honest. I mean, again, I think he gets a lot of stick for not being, you know, particularly flary. He's not going to, he's probably not going to beat a man. He's not going to do what Grealish does. But he's, as we said the other week when we when we compared these two, they're not the same player. They're not, they don't play the same position. Um, and there's no reason at all why you couldn't have both in the same team. Uh, I think he knit, he knits everything together nicely for Chelsea. Um, I think he's become. I think he was sort of a number ten type to begin with, and now he's I think what they call like a number eight in the modern game, where he's kind of like he's the he's the he's the ball carrier in the middle of the park. He can get the ball wide, he can get the you know get in the box. He's he just does a, he does a good job for him. I like him. Yeah, I can agree. Well, I think I think that's just where the media are, are claiming that he's a he's a Frank Lampard favourite because um, he he reminds me a bit of the way Frank played. You know, the late runs into the box. You know, nothing fancy, just very efficient. Um, yeah. But as I say, he's always been he's Chelsea's like most consistent player. You know, he, very rarely is he going to get you ten out of ten performances. But I, I don't feel he's ever going to drop below a seven. If that makes you know, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't agree. He's always going to give, and even if he's not necessarily having the the best of days, and like he's he's one of those he's not one of those players that if he's having an off day. He doesn't seem to put the effort in. Like he, he'll still run about all day long for you, which is all you can ask. You know, if someone's not, you know, everyone has a bad game, but as long as you still keep working away, then you can't really ask much more for that. And to be fair to Mount, he, he does do that a lot. No, uh, yeah, hundred percent fair. Um, I think we'll we'll move off this game as we as we did talk about quite a lot, unfortunately, prior to the, <laughs> the mistake. Uh, so next up, we had Simon Arsenal Villa losing two one at home to Brighton. Um, it- in fairness to, to Brighton here, Brighton have played quite well this season. I think we mentioned it the last couple of weeks. At what point did we stop saying, you know, they're playing nice and not getting the results? So, I mean, as a Villa fan, how was it for you? Well, it's, it's kind of, it's a funny one because, you know, we have been saying that about Brighton. This was a game that actually, if you look at them, they didn't play as well as they did, I don't think, against us, as they did as they have done in certain other games, but have come away with three points. Um, from our point of view, frustrating is the word because we had we we had quite a few good chances and missed, you know, really really wasteful in goal in front of goal. The defending for for that for Danny Welbeck's goal was, I mean, it it, it was like the bloody Man United one away in, in uh, Turkey the other week in the Champions League. It's, I don't understand. I, I, do not, I think probably what it was was the first 20 minutes or so we were so on top and I think it was just complacency and naivety thinking no Brighton haven't had, Brighton had barely got out of the half and the first time they did we we left no one in our half and fair play to Welbeck for finishing it off because you know sometimes you, uh, with a chance like that you can almost have too much time to think about it but he he, he finished it pretty calmly, but then even then, after that, we kind of we, we still you know had a, a couple of decent chances. Trezeguet missed two absolute sitters in in the space of three or four seconds, um, 
and then, so you're going at half time a bit annoyed, but you, knowing that you know we've done enough to show we can get something out of this. A minute into the second half, we get one one. You're thinking, right, we'll we'll go on and win this now. But they again just switched off for for Bright for uh, Sully March's goal. Lovely finish, but you know there's, there's no one within 10, 15 yards of him on the edge of the box. And then for the rest of the second half, he kind of you know still had one or two decent opportunities. And then we come to the uh, what I think is a very very controversial VAR decision in the uh, in stoppage time. Now. I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree with me. But for me, it's a penalty. It's soft. Trezeguet goes down in an embarrassingly theatrical way. But don't they all, you know, virtually every player does that nowadays. He marched. I don't, people say he's won the ball. For me, he hasn't won the ball. He's made a slight contact with the ball. But Trezeguet is still in control of it and can get to it until he's kicked in the shin. So for me, it would have been soft. If it was against me, I'd be pissed off. But for me, it, that's a penalty. I, I, I haven't seen the decision. Um, and I'm, just because of what you've just said there, I'm not even going to make an attempt to go and watch it. Because the fact that you're saying it was soft, if it was against you, yet you want it for your own team, sounds like it's just a, a bias. But anyway... Dave, you know it's 2020 when Adam Lallana sets up a Danny Welbeck goal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what was your thoughts on the game? Uh, well, I mean, as, as uh, side of the first goal, Welbeck, it's, it's a good finish. But it was happening when I was one, I'm thinking, oh, God, Villa have got to defend a DP. And there was just no one there. <laughs> like, it was so, so strange um, to have, like, the whole pitch, the whole length of the whole um, half of the pitch to run into unchallenged. Um, very rarely say that in the you know opening 15 minutes of a game. <laughs> if it happens at the end of the game, you go off. You know you've been caught in the counter attack, but very odd. But um, the penalty, the biggest surprise to me is it was overturned. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I think there's been enough uh, kind of to and fro to say well it wasn't clear cut, so you just stick with the referee's decision. I, I didn't think it was a, a clear and obvious error by any means. I, I think what what annoyed me with that. And again, this might just be a, a typical fan who gets annoyed with the so-called big team bias. But I think if that if that challenge is made on Salah or Bruno Fernandez, that does not get overturned for me. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a very similar one in West Brom, Man United. Um, yeah, we, yeah, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's it's one that. When, when I say if it was against me, I'd be annoyed. I'd be annoyed because it's so soft. But uh, for me, it is, it is a penalty. And whether he, however theatrically Trezeguet's gone down, it's kind of irrelevant because, as I say, everyone does now. It's, it's one of those, you've, they say, oh, you kind of got to, to, to make the referee aware that you have actually been fouled. I, I don't see how you can overturn that and say it's a clear and obvious decision to overturn it. Yeah, I mean, we saw with Salah against West Ham. Um, he got kicked in the back of the leg. He went down like he'd been shot, but yeah. I guess theoretically he had been kicked and that's a foul. So I don't think it's too different here. Um, it's, it, it was, I don't think it was a particularly good weekend again for VAR, to be quite honest. <laughs> when is it ever? I 
I mean, penalty aside, I mean, that's it's a great result for Brighton. Obviously, not so much for yourselves. Yeah. Still a good start for, for, uh, for Villa. But Brighton really needed that win. We said last week, we just didn't know where this, this win was going to come from. And this, this hard luck story, um, yeah. I mean, proved yeah. more important tonight with, with Burnley getting that result um, earlier on. So, I I was excited to watch this game. Um, I didn't get to see it because of work. But it was two teams that, obviously, Villa had been scoring goals. Brighton had been playing some, maybe some of the best football in, in the league. Um Obviously not getting the points and results. So this was I mean, huge for them. To, to be fair, as a game for a neutral, I think it would have been quite entertaining. You know, the first 15, 20 minutes we were one on top, but then from the moment Brighton scored, it was end to end. It was like neither team thought there's any point trying to properly defend here. Let's just let's just keep <laughs> let's just attack each other and, and see what happens. My only shock was that it was only two one. After after half an hour. I'd, I'd have said, oh, this could be sort of 3-3, three, 4-3 three, three here. There's definitely loads of goals in there. But, um, yeah, disappointing for us. We've had a good start, as you say. And for Brighton, much-needed victory for them, especially with how other results have gone this weekend. Um, so, yeah, fair fair play to them. Just just frustrating. But it's just one of those days. We just didn't. We had so many chances and just didn't take them. And you're just going to get days like that. No, absolutely fair. Um, I mean, we'll come up to the next game, which is, I mean, I, I'd say probably the biggest game of the weekend. Um, Tottenham at home to Man City and coming away with a two 0 win. Um, I mean, I, I didn't see any of this game at all. I've seen, I've seen the goals. Um, I hear them from VAR talking point um, and officiating ones. Um, Dave, thoughts on the game and are, are Spurs genuine title contenders this year, or are they still Tottenham Hotspur? Well, this was a Mourinho masterclass. Um, I think at one point they'd had one shot to City 16, winning 1-0. Um, but, yeah, they're just very savvy now, which is something Tottenham have never had previously. Um, and I think uh, they're getting stronger every week. Um, and we keep expecting them to be, you know, Spurs, but uh, it's not sure any signs are happening yet. I think the Arsenal contingent will be getting concerned. What's, what's about own four? First, um, there's there is an awful long way to go, but this was this was impressive. Um, Mourinho's got Guardiola's number, I think. Um, it's it almost identical to this, the game last season, um, which Spurs also won two nil. Um, they've got a very good squad. Like you cannot really knock it. Like if you put that that squad in, you know. A Man City or a Liverpool, and they won the league. You go well, yeah, you know, it's probably fair enough. Like they've they've got the players to do it. It's just whether they can string it together for long enough without doing a Spurs. Yeah, no, I can't agree more. I mean, my I've been very critical um, of Harry Kane over the years, um, and I feel he's been very overhyped up on his not his goal scoring, just as a player. And I think this the Harry Kane we've seen this season is the Harry Kane that everybody has talked about. For years, and then with Son, um, obviously they've got Bale to get fully fit and integrated into the squad. Um, the the fallout seemingly that was meant to break that Indombly seems to have spurred. You know, him and Josie have managed to put that aside, and Indombly's been excellent this season. Um, that's it. That's it. I mean, do you say that's great management the way Mourinho's you know got got him playing like the way he wants him to? 
Well, I, th- I would, yeah. So I'll come on to the question I was going to ask both of you. So I'll ask yourself, Dave, and then we'll, we'll get Simon in on his, his thoughts in the game. But um, I, I was in debate over uh, Pep and Josie the other day, uh, and I saved it for the pod. Um, at, at their peak, who, who would you rather as a manager? Josie or Pep? Uh, uh, I think Jose, because I think Pep needs a certain type of player to uh, to really get himself, you know, get his system going. Uh, whereas I reckon Jose, w- with the same budget and average players, would probably at least get your top four just by pure shithousery. Um, whereas I think we saw what happened with Pep in the early days at Man City when he didn't have the players he, he needed and they were getting beat 4-0 by Everton. So, but I'm going to say Jose. Simon, thoughts on the game and then your thoughts on the, the manager one and I'll, I'll give you mine uh, So The game itself, I, I think Dave summed it up perfectly with uh, that first sentence, it was a Mourinho masterclass, it, it was it's just what he does, you know again, when he was um, you know, at Chelsea it, there's just certain games where he, he just knows just how to set up against the teams in like, the big games to get a result um, you know, I, for all of City's possession and bad more uh, attempts, I, I don't know about you. I never really felt like they were going to, that they were actually properly threatening Spurs. I always thought Tottenham looked quite comfortable in the game. Um, as you guys kind of said earlier as well, you look at their squads and and to think that you know Gareth Bale, you know, isn't you know, even fully flying yet. Um, and if he can get to that sort of level, uh, you know, that certainly makes him a real, real contenders for the league. In terms of the managers, I'd probably again agree with Dave and, and go with Jose just for that, purely because I think there's no doubt if Pep has got, um, you know, very good players at his disposal, the, the brand of football that he can play, if you think of that Barcelona team for those sort of four years he was there, they were great to watch. But Mourinho has a plan B and a plan C, whereas Pep, he's got one one way only, and if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't, you, you know, he, he can get really, he, he can get uh, caught and stuck quite quite easily, whereas Mourinho, you never see Pep go to like a big game like that and as you say, shit out his way to a result, whereas Mourinho has got the ability to do that and just seems to be... No, yeah, I think he, he could probably get get more out of an average player uh, than Pep could get out of an average player. So I'd probably just go Mourinho. Yeah, no, clean sweep. Um, and it, it, for me, it's not close. Um, I think Jose could do everything Pep's done in his career, but Pep couldn't do anything that Jose's done. Pep couldn't have won the league where that Real Madrid team against that Barcelona team at the time. Um, he'd have probably won the league with Inter Milan, obviously, at the time. But would he have won the Champions League? Don't think so. Same with Porto. Um, Chelsea, perhaps. But Pep's also not been very good at spending money. Just look at this Man City team. Um, all the you know, the top world-class players, bar me. No, because I don't think he bought De Bruyne either, did he? Sure, he was there before. Um, so yeah. all the players actually inherited as well. Um, for me, made Bayern Munich worse. Um, they were always going to win the league. You know, it's it's almost impossible not to at times. Mm. 
Uh, for me, Pep's, I, I'll say a fraud jokingly, but he's, uh, you something that, like, if it works for him and it, and it goes, but he has no plan B, he can't yeah. sleep away. And, I think, and, and, I, I th- the, the point you make about the, the money as well is a really good one. So we, uh, there was, we had a little like discussion in the group going on over the weekend, and I made the point that you look at the defenders he inherited, which company aside, weren't great, but you know, weren't terrible. And you compare to the defence they've got now, and he spent over £400 million on defenders, and yep. there's no improvements. Which that is that's scandalous, really. That is shocking. None, none of his defence, maybe Bar Laporte, walk into they don't walk into Liverpool team. They wouldn't walk into. I mean, you're seeing the Arsenal team, but only because they've got David Luiz. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know they're not massive improvements on many teams in the league. I mean. Kyle Walker's having probably his best time in the last season, maybe. But before that, you wouldn't have said he was much of an upgrade. Like, you look at uh, Lamptey at Brighton, is he much of an upgrade on Lamptey, really? Mm. Um, For me, it's a concern. And what's worse for them this season is they've played eight games and they're on a minus one goal difference. When have you heard of that in Man City in recent years? Yeah. I saw a nice stat earlier they're actually closer to Burnley in the tail than they are Liverpool. Wow. See, <laughs> that's... Uh, and as you say, after eight games, if, it, if that's after two or three games, you can say, oh, you know, fair enough, but after eight games, that's that's a decent portion of the season gone. That's it. I mean, there's going to come a time where you say, you know what, they're not in the race this year. And I'm not yeah. saying that time's, that time's now, but over the next few weeks, it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? I mean, they've got Burnley at home next, so I mean, that'll be yeah. an easy three points. But you know, you, you say that though, Dave. That, that, that those are the teams that they're not very good against. You know, because especially just now without having, like, I, I really don't like Gabriel Jesus. Um, I think he's he's okay, but well, I mean, without Aguero, I just think I just really feel like teams like defenders aren't then scared. Um, so I feel like De Bruyne's trying to do it all himself. I just find, as I said before, I think Burnley are a waste of a waste of time in these in these big fixtures because they just turn up and they they lose three 0 if not worse. Like that's why I'll be betting on it. Yeah. Like there's just they, you don't go. Oh Christ, we've got Burnley <coughs> Burnley visiting this weekend. You never know what's going to happen with them. You do know what's going to happen with them. They're going to have none of, <laughs> not, none of the ball and they're going to have one corner which they'll probably hit the bar from or something and they go. Oh, that's a scare. It's a wake up call. And Man City will win three or four nil and that'll be the end of that. You say the the only thing with that is Man City haven't won three or four nil for a while. It's, it, it, we always talk about their defence being an issue. This season, it's the lack of goals that that's that I'd be getting slightly concerned about with them. Yeah, that's, I mean it's a fair point, but like I said, I haven't played Burnley at home yet. So. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um. Right, so yeah, so we're in agreement anyway. It's concerning season so far for City. Um, for me and Simon, we struggled to see they were the turn around the corner. But if you're a betting man, according to Dave, one put on three 0 City on Saturday, and you'll be you'll be rolling in the cash. Um, <laughs> speaking of inevitable results, uh, Man United won via penalty. 
Holy social taking over. This is just getting ridiculous now, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, West Brom should be should be really really good with how this turned out because they played pretty well. Um, they probably deserved at least a point, and they got done over by the, one of the most ridiculous decisions of the weekend for me. I can't believe they overturned it. Yeah, with this, like we kind of said earlier, we've, for me it's the same as the uh, Trezeguet penalty incident. Fernandez may have got a slight nick on the ball, but he hasn't got enough of a nick to to get the ball away from the player, and he's kicked him in the shin. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of always won the ball first. That went out the window. That, that that went out a long time ago. You can't get a slight kick on the ball and then fucking whack the player afterwards. That, that's just not allowed anymore. Back in the 90s, that was a great tackle. Nowadays, it's not. I, just, I cannot believe that. Well, I say I can't believe it didn't got overturned. I can because it was Man United at Old Trafford. So, of course, it was going to get overturned. Uh, something's never changed, do they? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter if there's, there's not 70,000 fans there pressuring the ref. Because <laughs> it's just, it's inbuilt in them, isn't it? Pretty much. What did you think of the penalty Man United did get? Oh, I, I thought it was a joke. I, t- I suppose it's, it's one of those, again, that they're arguing, or it's, it's uh, you know, it's the law, but he's, his arm's by his side and he's looking away. How can you, and he's three yards away from the player when he's levered into him. But you just, that's ridiculous. I feel it's another one of those where, like in the in the in the times before VAR, that would have happened, and like Andy Greer would have gone, "Oh, you're never getting that." Yeah. Now it's like now it's like, well, it's hit him on the hands, so it's probably a penalty, and you, you're not even surprised anymore. Like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I felt. I, I mean, well, I was going to say I felt sorry for West Brom. I don't. I fucking hate West Brom. And I, I, don't want, I want them to go down. But it was... And also because the in the hour between our game ending and their game started, all you saw on Twitter was West Brom fans taking the piss out of Villa's penalty being, uh, being overturned. So fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Typical, typical with the United one. I think, did you guys listen to the rule change pod that Chris and the gang did? Um, And Adam's indirect free kick for handballs, no more penalties. Um, It's one of the rule changes that I actually genuinely like and I think it would actually be much better because these handball, I mean, I don't know how many we've had this season, um, but it feels like there's minimum one a week now and each one is getting more and more ridiculous. I feel like the punishment for stopping a, a half-hearted cross being a penalty mm. seems seems overly zealous, to say the least. So I'm all for that. I think that'll be good. <sighs> Something different. It just, I mean, it's just penalties. Penalties for a handball like that. I, I think, was it uh, yourself mentioned Andy Gray? You know, just never going to get that. Now, player, I genuinely do feel players are just aiming for hands now at crosses. So I was just going to say, I always thought that you, the only way you could give, uh, you could penalise a team for a handball was if it was a deliberate handball. Short, but, I, I, I always thought accidental handballs, you can't, they weren't punished. Yeah, it had to be deliberate. 
Well, well, that's where I think that's where they've had to change the law. Because how do you define deliberate? The only deliberate yeah. handball in an action is literally catching the ball or punching the ball. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think, so I think that's why they they changed the like the you know the diagram of the body and the unnatural shape. Yeah. And as we say, according to the letter of the law, if you're following that, you know all these decisions are penalties. But they're just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I think it's. Uh, I don't know if you heard um, after the Tottenham Man City game, De Bruyne's interview when he was saying, you know, he'd been playing professional football for 12, 14 years. And, you know, the first nine years, it was absolutely fine. The last three years, they seem to have changed so many rules. And I don't see how it's for the better because all it's done, it seems that every weekend, it's just every game, there's a controversial thing that we're talking about with. With all these stupid rule changes, aye, we're definitely no better off, are we? I mean, I think I've said this before, but I feel like we talk. I think we've talked about these decisions more now than ever before. Whereas at least before you'd go, well, you know, sometimes you get them, sometimes you don't, and even until yeah. like, over the season. And now it's like, well, you know, it probably won't even sell out because if if Team A is in the box more than Team B, which if you play in Newcastle will be the case, it won't even sell out. Like, yeah. I, well, I always hated that argument as well. Like, I'd say. If you ask the three teams that have got relegated, I'll bet you they'll tell you those decisions did not even themselves out over the course of the season. <laughs> Man United are getting 28 penalties if you're saying they're in the box more than other teams. Jesus, <laughs> like, yeah. They them in this time. Bruno Fernandes is, is like Man United's player of the decade based on penalties alone. He's <laughs> yeah. very few games. He's actually I'll been I'll tell you a player what, that it's uh, it's it's bored on hilarious how much better he is than everyone else around him in that team. Like it, it's um, I don't know whether like like even like Rashford who used to be used to be quite good, he just seems like a, like a kid. He just kind of kind of doing anything right anymore. It's uh, all them just make Fernandez make them all look terrible, or they've literally all just regressed because they're just letting him do everything. It's uh, <laughs> it's so weird how um, how reliant they are on one man. Yeah, <laughs> it just makes it more. Strange the whole uh, Donny van der Beek thing. Like, how I, I read a stat uh, on the weekend that said Mike Dean has spent more time on the pitch in Man United games this season than van der Beek. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I, what, what has gone on there? I, I don't understand that. No, so, so strange. I, I, I want to say, is that a matter of time for, for Ole? But I, I like Steve Bruce, Dave. The media have got his back. You know, well, I don't, I, in the media, so he never gets criticised. In my United's case, I don't know what they're waiting for. Like we've said before, like Pochettino's right there. Like surely now is the time. If you if you actually want Pochettino, let's assume there's no smoke without fire, and they are courting him. Like, what are you waiting for? Yeah, <laughs> he must be playing very hard to get. Well. <laughs> It's just, it's just crazy. Like, yeah, if you don't want Pochettino, then fair enough. Wait for someone else to turn up. But if that's who you want, you're not going to be free forever. Like, you can't see what, you can't say that the weekend and go. You know what? We want, want more of this. We'll just wait. Like, yeah, it's so. But I mean, did, did you know? We we said it um, the other week after they they beat Everton the, before the international break and and looked quite decent. Yeah. But we said, you know, they'll. They'll go and struggle in the next couple of games. Look, shit. People start saying, how is he still in charge? And then the week or two, they'll probably batter PSG in the Champions League and the cycle will start all over again. <laughs> Too true. It, it, seems, 
uh, Ole does, doesn't it? He, he, it looks like it's getting a bit, gets struggle, and then he pulls out a really good performance and a really good result, um, and then everything's forgotten about. It's like all good. <laughs> Real performance. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm all for that, by the way, because it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yes, forever. <laughs> I want this system cycle to go on for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> on, on Man United, uh, are we in agreement that Patrick Chevroy might be one of the worst pundits of all time? I'm so entertaining, though. <laughs> I love watching him because he's bloody mental. He's just useless. Absolute useless. Oh, man. But anyway, enough of that. <laughs> any longer. I just, I really can't. Um... Oh, I forgot about that. They won. Um, Sunday's early kickoff. Fulham 2, Everton 3. Um, in fairness to Everton, um, they did look quite good at times for this game. Um, I'll come to you first, Simon. Um, is this Everton, I want to say, back to their, their the way they were, or is it just because they were playing Fulham? Uh, I was... In the well, first of all, the, the game itself for for neutral, it was quite entertaining. To be fair, uh, first half I did kind of think, oh yeah, Everton looked really good, but then I had to like sort of have a word to myself and say, no, Fulham are just dreadful. I like, I, they are so out of their depth in in the league this season. Like I, I kind of half joked a few weeks ago saying, the best they can hope for is to better derbies. Uh, records, points that they went down on. I seriously think Fulham, I honestly think they're going to struggle to get near that. They look, they're so bad. I mean, that, that first uh, first goal, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, you, you have you average defenders at best, and I'm being bloody kind calling them defenders average. <laughs> Why, after 40 seconds, I try pinging crossfield passes just outside your own box, and like, oh, I, 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 it, it wasn't for me. I don't think you can say, "Oh, yeah, that's Everton back," back because you have to caveat it with the fact that they were playing Fulham, who just looks so so bad. I still nearly managed to give it away as well. Oh, <laughs> that that would have been funny. To be, I, I would have enjoyed that, but <laughs> I mean, Fulham, they, I mean, they're so bad that it's almost. The best way to nullify any attacking threat they have is to give them a penalty. That's how bad they are. <laughs> Only I, Christ. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> um, I mean, Dave, uh, any much to add on what Simon says, or is he right? Oh, I mean, I think I, I hate myself because I agree with Danny Murphy where he said that <laughs> Fulham are going to ask themselves, like, is the benefit to play out from the back? actually getting them anywhere compared to the goals they're shipping from playing out from the back? And the answer is obviously no, because like I don't get this fascination with playing out from the back. It's uh, obviously, It looks nice, if you, but it's, it's, for me, it's like a thing you have to earn. Like When you've got enough points on the board and you don't have you know terrible players trying to do it, that's when you can play out from the back. Like It's it's, uh, it's a very odd thing to, to want to do when you're you know, terrible at defending. I don't, have, I don't have those guys have the ball as little as possible. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I mean, it, I I hate Liverpool doing it. You know, at times, um, and at least like we learn. Like you know, if we if we play out from the back, you know, at the start of a game, and you know, it comes unhinged. You know, and we yeah. we, we, make, we we will start going a bit more direct. But 
But teams like Fulham this season and, and even Arsenal seem to do it quite a bit as well. They just persist with it. And hockey is honourable, but not when you're sitting on three points, four points. <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel Liverpool could genuinely beat Fulham 7-8-0 or it'll be the team we'll lose to 1-0. You know? <laughs> There, there's, there's, there's no, no way Fulham are... Yeah, yeah I'm just going to say the exact same thing. That is not happening. But I thought as well during the Gags, uh, when the Loftus-Cheek came on, um, Adam obviously said in the group, uh, how is he not starting? And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, but it either says a lot about him that he can't get into that starting eleven, or what I think is more likely the case, it says a lot about Scott Parker's managerial ability and I feel I feel bad having to go at Parker because he seems like a, a nice enough bloke and after every uh, match his post-match interview he just seems so depressed <laughs> like he just needs a big hug but <laughs> like the back four of his team he's so far out of his depth as well like it's just so bad. <laughs> well, if you put yourself in his shoes and you spend in this case two weeks preparing for a game and then in the first 40 seconds you keep it as hard as to ping a pass out to, to yeah. nobody and then you concede and it's like, well, there's two weeks down the shitter. What but he's, tell it, he's telling them to do that though, isn't he? Well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's just, there's no, there's no common sense there. I mean, can, can any of us see them staying up or even make a, an attempt at a case for them staying up? Well, mm. if the points have Allardyce, then uh, we'll see. But, even Big Sam would probably struggle to get that lot, that lot to defend, wouldn't he? So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at <laughs> Burnley getting the win tonight um, and Sean Dyche is their manager. Look, I'm sorry, Dave, but they're not, they're not as bad as, as Dave will let you believe it. I'm a Dyche fan and I will not give up on him. Um, and I don't see Brighton or Newcastle, you know, falling in, into that. So, for me, I, I, there's just no way I can see... I, I really do believe the bottom three just now will be there um, yeah. one way or another um, in 30 games time or 29 games time um, I, I would agree to be honest I, I mean we, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to Burnley briefly later but I think the one thing that they have got over the rest of the teams in that sort of bottom four or five is they, they can defend and they can keep clean sheets, and I don't see any of those other teams being able to do that consistently enough. I can hear the life draining out of Dave as you said they could. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's, that is the one thing they're very good at, annoyingly. But uh, and I, I mean, I think we can all agree that they're probably not in the three worst teams that we've seen so yeah. far this season. Just and they have they have the best manager out of out of all them. You know, like like Deitch is a good manager. Um, yeah. I, I don't believe Parker is. I think Wilder's probably not a bad manager, but Sheffield United, I mean, we'll come on to them obviously next. Uh, they, they look atrocious. Um, and they look like they don't care. Um, and then West Brom, I, I like Billich, but again, he just seems out of his depth every time he comes into the Premier League. Yeah, well, you look at West Brom's defence as well, though. I, I don't think I, I actually can't think of us of any of their defenders. So I, I, I couldn't name any of their back four. Yeah, Is Kieran Gibbs still there? Surely not. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> I mean, Branislav Ivanovic is what, 37, 38, and he's playing at the back for them? Is he, is he playing for them now? He played on Saturday, yeah. <laughs> well, shit, it shows how much of an impact. I'll watch that game. I don't even remember him being on the pitch. <laughs> Mind you, I, I'd, I'd had a few drinks to uh, drown my sorrows from the Villa game. So, <laughs> well, um, we will we'll move on from the, the full on bashing. Um, good win for Everton. Cavalier went out a couple of goals, so keep them hanging about uh, mid table where they belong. Um, and we'll two two shifts. Um, West Ham we thought okay it wasn't the prettiest great finish for the Hallard goal um, but another three points they're on quite a nice little run just now guys Dave what's your thoughts on this and are Sheffield United really destined for the drop uh, I think it's, it's looking bleak for them uh, certainly statistically one point in, in nine games I mean that's not that's not pretty anybody's book is it but uh, I think even you know in the in the history of the Premier League, I think I think there's only two teams have stayed up in that position. Um, so you know, history's not really on their side. Um, they were a little bit unlucky here. McBurney hit the bar late on, um, but West Ham have just become this sort of competent team that can dig in and get results. And it's it's kind of like Moyes' mo. Like this is what he does, and it's taken them. I kind of respect Moyes more for how he's got here because he could have walked away so many times, like. You know they've had some. He's had some shit results in the last five years, six years. How long he's been uh, since he left Manu? Since he was at Manu, rather. Um, he could have walked away. And said, I don't need this shit. But he keeps coming back for more, and he just keeps doing what he does. And it's, he's got he's got West Ham from looking in absolute shambles a few months ago to being absolutely resolute to winning one nil and you know fixtures they probably normally would have lost. No, absolutely. I think we're we're close to the the Everton David Moyes back. Um, I think he's building his team up. You know, kind of similar with the resoluteness, slowly but adding just just those little bits of quality. I mean, I I, I think Haller, Sebastian Haller, is a very good player. Um, not always shown it um, in West Ham, but he took his goal very well today. Um, I mean, Simon, are you impressed with with West Ham here? Um. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I didn't actually watch this game because... Oh, come it's, on. It's, it's you knew you were Sheffield, going on this show. It's, it's Sheffield United, West Ham, with, with the greatest <laughs> win in the world. So I, I'd watched five games already by this point during the weekend. I thought, if there's any game to miss out, it'd be this one. Um, <laughs> but to be fair to West Ham, um, at the start of the season, I did. I kind of worried for them a bit because they just seemed to be like a real mess on and, and off more worryingly off the pitch as well, you know, at boardroom level. Mm-hmm. And I, I still don't think that that is all rosy. You know, I'm, I'm sure I, I think the fans are still pretty disillusioned with how the club's been run. But on the pitch this season, I mean, I think one of the first shows we did, we kind of, we looked at West Ham's first sort of six, seven games and you thought, there's every chance they won't get any points. But... <laughs> Fair play to them, you know, they're, they're sitting, what, is it eighth in the, in the table? Um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty impressive. From you know, Last season, they, they only just survived, really. Um, do you, you know, you can say the, the quality of players maybe in the squad, then they should have done better than just surviving. But um, no, he's, he seems to be doing quite a good job, though. As you said, Dave, you know, he kind of, after the Man U thing, he... He sort of became a bit of a figure of fun, really, which 
when you think of how long he was at Everton and did, you know, let's be honest, a pretty good job there over a sustained period. You, you, you sort of you can almost forget that that managers are actually quite, you know, certain managers they'll have one experience that seems to tarnish all the good work they've done in the previous decade. Um, so yeah, you got yeah, fair play to Moyes and, and West Ham. They just they're, they're doing a decent job this season, much better than I expect them to anyway. All they had to do is drop Mark Noble, and now they're now they're yeah. good. Moyes COVID and isolate and drop Mark Noble, and then, <laughs> yeah. no coincidence, the form turned around. Yeah, uh, fancy that. Sheffield <laughs> uh, United, on the other hand, I mean we've said it for the past few weeks, and since I stepped back in here, um, it's, it's a real concern, like a, a shadow of themselves from the the team who were. They were pushing top four until till lockdown um, at the start of the year. Um, I know it's one point in nine. I mean, can we see where a turnaround come around? Is it just a case of you know get one result? Um, I, I don't see them spending big money. And and like we've said in the last couple of shows, when you're that low down the league, who's who's coming to play football or? Who's just going to try and take that, you know, the big Premier League payoff, and mm. hopefully then down get sold and get the, you know, the signing on fee from the next club? Um, they're in a tough position. I think they're knackered, to be honest. I mean, they've got West Brom away next Saturday, and I think whoever whoever loses that should just pretty much prepare for the championship. Yeah, yeah I I would I'd agree. I I think the bottom three as it is now, I. If if I had to put money on it now, I'd be putting money on, on the bottom three as it is, staying that way come the end of the season. The Sheffield United, we, we've been saying it for the last few weeks. I don't see I don't see where they're getting any goals from. They they've just got no no threat up from whatsoever. Uh, Jack O'Connell being out for the season, I, I think it's completely knackered them at the back as well. Yeah. And obviously. Dean Henderson's no longer, you know, we, 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 you know, we're just saying what we kind of, I think, said the other week about Sheffield. You know, I, I can't see them staying up. I, I graph in their knackers. I mean, you look at their games after West Brom, Leicester at home probably won't win that. Southampton away probably won't win that. Man United at home probably won't win that. Brighton away, mm, bit of a, yeah, bit of a six-pointer. Um, Everton at home don't really fancy them there. They got Burnley away on the twenty-eighth. Like, and that's not taking them the year. Like. Yeah, you can, you can always be down by the end str- of the year. You struggle to having 10 points by uh, by the end of the year, really. But you never know. It's strange things that happen, but I just you can't see it at the minute, can you? Like, there's no... I think when you factor in as well, they lost the last three in the last season as well, so it's effectively one point in, in 12 games. Like, that's... Yeah. It's a slide, isn't it? Like it's, um, and it's... The, the, there's already, uh, in terms of points, there's a gap, you know, appearing from... Sort of yep. really Brighton in sixteenth. You know, the five five points at such an early stage might not sound massive, but full. You know, West Brom and Sheffield United haven't won the game. Fulham have won once and don't look like they're going to win too many more. So that's a, and you'd expect Brighton to you know pick up more points here and there. I just don't see where those teams are going to, unless a change of manager. Maybe is the only answer, I think, but perhaps to save them because, as you say, none of Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United aren't 
going to be massively attractive propositions for players in January. So possibly a managerial change is the only thing that could save those three teams. Well, all three have still got to play us. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's always hope. <laughs> Come on now, Dave. Come on now. Um, right, we'll move on from that. And we'll, we'll go on to a manager who I feel is riding an awful lot of luck that there's so many other worst managers because I, I just don't think he's doing, doing what everybody keeps talking. People have me believe he's been a very good manager. Um, and for what I've seen this week, Arsenal do no no with Leeds here. Um, if Leeds had a half decent striker, um, they win this game comfortably. Um, Pepe sent off for a ridiculous moment of madness. Um, and I mean, this is, this is three points lost, not a point gained for Leeds here. Um, Dave, I'll come to you first. I mean, Arsenal just look. I know we've said that this is maybe what they need, you know, but they just look so kind of pathetic and lackluster now. They um, they look like a mid-table team. Um, for years, they've kind of been like a, a top six team who sometimes have an off day, yeah. whereas now is now they, they look like a mid-table team. There's just very little about them that says, you know, we are we should be in the top six. We should, there's... there's I think we said before they're in, they're in a massive transition, and um, I guess you could say a fair play to Arteta for, for playing the likes of Willock and Saka, and um, you know, Reese Nelson gets a half and all that kind of stuff, which is you know great if they're any good. If they're going to go on to be good players, then that's it's, that's that's fine. But um, it's, it's going to be very hard for them to, to make a mark on a team that's struggling as badly as it is at the minute. Um, they're more resolute defensively. I'll give them that, but it's come at the cost of every piece of attack and flair they've ever had. Like they attack with like three players now, uh, and you know two of them are terrible. So <laughs> it's I just don't get it. Like it's I feel like Arteta is kind of like Solskjaer, but a little bit behind the curve. Like he's he's going to go the same way, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I think it was even mentioned in one of my WhatsApp groups, possibly our one. Just that I think the reason nobody's talking about Arteta is purely because of the job Ole was doing. Um, I mean, Aubameyang, he's their main threat. He's their marquee player. He plays like three hundred grand a week widely, and I don't think he's scored a goal from open play this season. I believe I read. Um, doesn't look interested. He must be laughing all the way to the bank with this big new contract. Simon, I mean, I mean, thoughts on Arsenal and um, I mean, Leeds as well. I mean, it's, it's it's unfair. I mean, Leeds played the Leeds way, you know, so that no yeah. Arsenal can do. But this is not what we expect, is it? Um, it it is it, well. It shouldn't be what we're getting, but you kind of. You look at how Arsenal have been all season, and it's kind of not that surprised. They haven't, they haven't looked particularly. The only time they looked decent was when they beat Fulham, and as we've now, you know, come to realise, everyone looks good against Fulham. Um, <laughs> you know, Arsenal when the we we played them the other week, and before the game, I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, this might be a bit of a tough one, but we were so comfortable against them. The the only difference. 
between our game against them and this game was that we put our chances away and Leeds didn't. Like Leeds, to be fair, they they look really, really good. Um, but what the problem they had was lack of quality in the final third, and that that sounds more critical than it's meant to be. But what I mean by that is they had I think they had twenty five shots on goal, but only four on target, and all four were relatively comfortable for Leno to save. So it's not it's not a major concern because if you play like that more often than and you have that many chances more often than not, you will probably win more games than you'll lose. But I think there is a lack of quality in the final third for Leeds, which we'll see, which will be the difference between them finishing maybe in the top half to finishing around 13th, 14th. I think uh, Rafinha from Leeds had about 15 of those shots. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only chance that I can remember that really looked troublesome was Bamford's header um, that hit the post. Um, oh, yeah. Quite unlucky with that. Um, and it, even then, Arsenal nearly snuck it at the end with a, the through ball, the one-on-one chance for Saka, I believe it was. Yeah, that, uh, that's the, the best chance of the game, ironically, fell to Arsenal, despite all yeah, the yeah. attempts. Just And again, what we're talking about, just the lack of quality that, OK, these young guys... If they're good, as you say, Dave, you know, if they're they're ready to take that next step, then fine. But like like the, the Chelsea way the way Mount and Abraham did, um, you just don't feel these these young Arsenal guys have got that that cutting edge just yet. And I mean it's harsh to say because they are young. Um but should you be relying on them if they aren't, you know, at that stage? Um But I think with with that as well, the Chelsea, the youngsters that they were putting through uh, were being played alongside very yes. good, experienced people already there. The more experienced players that, that Arsenal have alongside these youngsters just aren't anywhere near up to it, are they? Yeah. Um, I mean, Arsenal's biggest signing in the last last season, I believe, we signed Nicolas Pepe, seventy-two million. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So I'll, I'll let you see. I mean, moment of madness. Um, I can't explain. I mean, you know, obviously Alioski goes down, you know, ridiculously. But as as we've already said on on the show earlier today, all players do now. But from Pepe's, I mean, just, you know, the the amount of cameras, everything is going to be checked. How you can expect to think you can get away with that and like... Arteta, I mean, you could see afterwards he was absolutely livid. But, to be fair, he should be happy because it means he doesn't have to play him for three games now. Which <laughs> Decision made. <laughs> like, he's, he's awful. £72 million. Pounds. That, who, 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 where do they sign him from? Uh, Le- Lille. Huh? They must be still pissing themselves every single day that they got 72 million for him. I, honestly, I, I think he'd look out of his depth in the championship. I've never, I've not seen anything from him that suggests he's worth anywhere near that sort of money. Well, I said, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. Liverpool were, were so close to signing him um, when Arsenal did um, until the, the money got that high. Um and and as a Liverpool, but we were really excited about him. You know, he was he looked incredible. Um, I 
I do feel he would have looked better under a, co- a better coach. Um, but seventy-two million. I mean, if he costs twenty-five, thirty million, I don't think we're even having this debate. Um, well, even discussion. I don't know if you're going to play him. Like he's just, he's just like a terrible seller, isn't he? Like, <laughs> so it seems now, yes. But at the time when we watched him play, was it Leon or Leo? I can't remember. Um, you, you know, he just looked exciting. He was, what is he, 22, 23? Um, so it was, you know, it was a bit like the Minamino signing, I guess. You know, more one for the future. But once the the money got to that level, you know, I mean. It, it, it's kind of like a, it's such a typical Arsenal signing. Like let's let's just spend <laughs> big to make a statement type. Yeah, uh, spend big as well in a position that last summer they didn't need to be spending that money on. It was defenders. Everyone knew they needed last year. Well, I think this was yeah. This that was the biggest thing for about the price. I mean, I mean, if you if you spend seventy two million and get a a Salah Mani level player, yeah, uh, fair enough. Fine, fine, whatever. I mean, still overspending at the time, but but when you don't need them, you know, and you need, you know, this and that. A bit like, I mean, we let's be fair, we, we gave Oli stick for keep signing attacking midfielders and forwards when they're crying out for an actual centre midfielder and actual defenders. Um, so Arteta's got to get the same, no matter, you know, how what he's doing with defensively. But all he's doing is just putting 11 men behind the ball now. If only they had, I know I bring it up every week, if only they had a creative midfielder in their squad. Um, It'd be handy, uh, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, A nice little tweet from his Twitter account as well to Piers Morgan this week. So another Ben Burke. I I did enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Right, so, like, I think we all agree Leeds are probably going to be safe. Just the style of football they play, they're going to cause enough problems. Where do we reckon Arsenal's going to finish? Right now, tenth at best. Like it's just they're very, very uninspiring. Yep. Um, I'd, 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 I'd agree. Yeah, mid mid table at at best. Yeah, I, think just... I, I think there's a number of like your Southampton's, Everton's who have all surpassed them in terms of probably the manager as well. I think I think those clubs have better managers and yeah. are, arguably better systems. I mean, I'd, I'd, looking at comparing their squads to ours, if we kept everyone fit, I'd fancy us to finish above them. I genuinely would. I'll tell you what, if, if, if Aubameyang got injured tomorrow, so he snaps a hamstring... They're knackered. That team looks awful, doesn't it? Like, he's, yeah. uh, he's the only star in that front six. So, do you know what? That's a fair point. I'm going to go around the table, right? And tell me which which squad you would swap for Arsenal's. Tell me when to stop, OK? Because... Okay. Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Southampton, Everton, Villa, West Ham, Wolves, United, Palace, Palace. City. Yeah, Palace, I think. Palace, Palace are always the breakwater, aren't they? Because yeah. they're another one that, if you take, well, as we've seen earlier, when you take Zaha out of that team, there's not an awful lot there. Ah, well, guess, guess who Crystal Palace play on Friday night? <laughs> <laughs> What a game! <laughs> I know, and without without him, it's guaranteed to be nil nil. So. <laughs> got down to eleven in the table, and we're talking about a ninety-five year old Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace, <laughs> you know, who could, who the only team you would swap. And when you think, I mean, 
I know this is my higher up the league snobbery here, like so. So the two years don't bite my head off. But I mean, you're, we're looking at teams here such as such as Villa. Like, no offense, Simon, but you know, no, I'm I'm with you. And like, recently, like, we're talking Villa. We were talking Southampton lost nine 0 to Leicester City like a year, even two weeks ago. Yeah. Everton exactly been great for the last ten years. I know they're improving. West yeah. Ham. We've yeah. basically played Man United. <laughs> you know, Wolves were in the championship three seasons ago, <laughs> and, and Arsenal were challenging for the you know top four, top six that three seasons ago. So, is yeah, when you, when you sort of break it down like that, it's a hell of a decline Arsenal have had in the last few years. Arsenal either really need a really good manager to come in, and I don't mean like a. An Ancelotti, not an Ancelotti, a uh, Simeone type. They need they need a Poch type, somebody who's willing to work on less money, coach players, and try and find good deals because so basically it's only they, they need Arsene Wenger from 1986. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. Put them with the modern version. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Right. We'll not bash Arsenal any longer. Um. We'll save that for next week after the, the exciting Crystal Palace Arsenal game. Um, last oh, no, game no. of the Sun. Oh, no, Ali, it's Crystal Palace Newcastle. Come on. Oh, 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 sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, well, it's a hat trick incoming then. He's got, he's got COVID, it's fine. We can't hurt us. <laughs> just you wait, just you wait. You sneak into the venue and. Uh, right, last game of the Sunday. Um, Injury ravaged Liverpool three. The high flying mighty Brendan Rodgers, Leicester City nil. Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk in this game, um, and for all the injuries, I, I, it was still Brendan Rodgers were playing. I had no worries about this game whatsoever. <laughs> um, I mean, Dave, Jota, Evans own goal, Jota goal, Firmino finally we a goal. I mean, thoughts on this, and is this a I think you mentioned earlier, just a, a proper stamp of authority, really, from Liverpool. This was just a reminder that the league's actually not as open as we think it is. Um, Leicester were looking to get nil, to be quite honest with you. Like, you could have had six or seven and still been unhappy and thought you could have had more. Like, there was that passage of play where I think you had both post bar and had one off the line by, you know, the old the old cat's pube. Like, there wasn't much left in it, so... <laughs> It um, you could have won by any number of goals here, and I, I was before the game. I thought there was absolutely no scenario here where Leicester wouldn't at least score. Like I thought, both teams to score seemed like a fair bet for this. Yeah. Um, as it was, they were they were nowhere. Um, I thought what they did to Man City, they were more than capable of doing to you with your patched up team. You know, Milner at right back, um, Fabinho and Matip at, at centre half. Um, Fabinho was outstanding. Like he. He, he should really consider just being a centre back because he just makes everybody around him better. Yep. Um, I thought the lad Jones who played in midfield was, didn't miss a beat. I thought you know everyone who came in did a, a, as good a job as the one who they replaced. Uh, and that for you must be the the biggest win of all of them. This is that you know you, you know you've got players in your squad. We we start at the start of the season. If Liverpool get a few injuries, they might be in a bit of trouble. You've had more than a few injuries, and you've so far passed the flying colours. Um, yeah, no, I'm exceedingly pleased. I mean, I'll come on to my my larger talking point after you. I mean, Simon, um, 
any much more to add than I've been. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm very, very impressed um, with Liverpool. I, I kind of, like Dave said, I, I, I expected Leicester to get goals um, purely because, uh, you know, Liverpool like to play on the, on the front foot and play, you know, quite high up the pitch. And I thought, with, as you say, a patch of defence, you just thought it would have been, you know, it was tailor-made for Jamie Vardy to cause some problems. But, I mean, he just didn't get a sniff. I don't know. I, I, was, I was disappointed with Leicester, to be honest. I, I expected a lot. I, I thought, especially considering what they did to Man City, and, you know, that all the talk was, oh, it's a chance for them to go and get a result here. Um, I thought they'd have given it a bit more of a go. But I think... To argue against, you've got to just give credit to Liverpool. I, I thought they were absolutely phenomenal. A really, really impressive performance. And as Dave said, I think just a, a timely reminder that hang on a minute, there's a reason we won the league at Cancer last year and the year before. You know, we we got have you know ridiculous amount of points. Liverpool are top top team, and but yeah, really, really impressive uh, result for them last night. Yeah, look, I I I kind of I, I sounded joking at the start, but we 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 were at home to Brendan Rodgers, let's just say. I genuinely it would have took five more injuries for me to even be concerned about dropping a point here. Um, I do agree with you, Dave. I, I would have expected them to score. Um, I, I do think Leicester have a really good team, um, and I think Rodgers will do okay with them. I.e., top six, you know. Fairly regularly, he just doesn't have the tactile mouse to to go any further. I think Klopp showed once again why he's probably the the best coach in in football. Uh, how he can get you know like eleven out of ten from players. Um, how intense the training is to that players just buy in to Klopp. You know, like I know he gets mocked for the hugs and the, that West Brom celebration, but. <laughs> the squad genuinely just buy into everything that he says. It's like a cult almost um, that players can come in. Uh, Fabinho at ten and a half has put in three of the best performances I've seen from a centre back in a long time this season. The Chelsea one, the one against Vardy. You know he's not coming up against terrible strikers here. Yeah. Uh, Jota just improves. Just impresses. Sorry, not improves. Um, every week, uh, I thought Firmino looked incredible for for the first time in a long time. Um, and he missed a lot of chances. Still got his goal, which is probably the hardest chance he had. <laughs> I thought Milner standing. Milner might have to go down as one of the best free signings um, in Premier League era. I mean, I can't think of many. I, I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. I don't know. You know, I couldn't list many, but. To do what he's done at his age, um, and he's just so important around the squad. I think Andy Robertson's been just phenomenal this season for club and country. Um, I just, I have no, it's, it's almost impossible to complain about anything. Even like, you know, the silly mistakes are bad passes. Another injury is probably my only negative to take off with Keita going off injured. Um, and Liverpool fans are getting frustrated by him. And I, I can understand in a way. He had missed it through COVID and an injury, and then the Guinea manager decides to play him for the full 95 minutes twice in eight <laughs> days. Just come back from injury, and then 
obviously he goes off last night, but I thought he was excellent for the time he was on as well. I do worry, obviously, if injuries do mount up. I mean, it's I don't know how many more we can handle. Um, obviously, Salah's not to come back. Thiago's must be near a return. He's been pictured in training and talked about. So, yeah, I just think, yeah, things are looking... I just don't see... I don't know when we'll have to play Spurs. That's the, that's the game that'll be interesting. But with City faltering away, we kind of bossed Chelsea already. I'm still fairly confident this season. Um, and I don't know why. <laughs> you, you play Spurs on uh, Wednesday, the 16th of December at Anfield. So we're at home as well. So yeah, not that home and away really. Yeah. Well, they might, have, they might have, have 4,000 fans in bar then. If yeah, they're yeah. Get, get, get themselves out so, of the yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, Do you know what? Yeah, so I mean, that, and that could make such a difference. Just that belief of having fans back in a stadium. Yeah. You know, it'll sound good for, especially because the fans never got to see the league title trope presentation and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm super confident, fairly happy. Obviously, we wouldn't like the injuries. Um, but it's kind of, yeah, just don't, there's nothing to complain about as Liverpool fans just now. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd still have you, I'd, I'd still have you as favourites to win the league. Um, I, I think Tottenham and Chelsea will run you close, but assuming you don't have any more ridiculous injuries, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd still be back in Liverpool to win the league this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't like seeing it because I just sound like completely biased and big-headed. Um, I think that result, you know, and the, the run of games we've had so far, um, obviously Villa on such a high the way they started the season, We'll beat Arsenal, we'll beat... Not Arsenal, we'll just slag Arsenal off for half an hour. I can't see that as a victory. <laughs> um, but, you know, draw against City. Um, obviously, the way the injuries have been, um, people talk about how bad their defence is. We've got a plus-five goal difference after conceding 70 Aston Villa. Um, yeah, I just... I'm not saying we will win the league, but we, we have to be favourites at the minute just because... It's a whole case of being there, done that. Um, mm. And that never give up kind of mentality that I think we spoke about a lot last season, Dave, that Liverpool didn't look great in many games, um, but they just got got those victories like whatever way. Yeah, exactly. It uh, kind of became a thing, didn't it? Yeah, so we end... I mean, both results are finished tonight. Uh, I've not watched any of them. I don't know if you guys have. Uh, we had Burnley 1, Crystal Palace 0, and Wolves 1, Southampton 1. Uh, any of you guys see any of it? Do we want to discuss it? I mean, uh, Dave, what? No. <laughs> I, I, I watched the Burnley Palace game. We said uh, before we, we started recording that, it was the one one of the few times in my life where I thought, yeah, I wouldn't have minded having a child to distract me and give me an excuse to not have to watch that game because it was pretty dire. But vital win for Burnley. You know, they, they got Tarkovsky and Ben Mee back together again and with Nick Pope behind them as well. Uh, I think them three, just they give them that defensive stability that none of the other teams in that bottom four or five 
have got anything anywhere near that. So that's I know it won't make Dave happy, but I think that that type of defence, if they can have them three players playing more for the majority of the season, they'll, they'll scrape together enough boring, dire 1-0 victories like this to stay up. Yeah, I think you're sadly right, but... Uh, <laughs> there's always there's, hoping. <laughs> well, the, the problem is that there's you know, half a dozen games a season like this where they're home to teams who just don't try and Burnley win 1-0 and that's their bread and butter. So, yeah. I agree. I think they'll be all right. And Will Southampton. Um, I, I, I kind of, obviously we're fixing the game, kind of fair result from both teams' levels that we think. I mean, Adama Traore got a game tonight, finally. Um, I, I don't know if he's closer to sorting his maybe contract out. I only watched the second half I've been recording here, but uh, um, Theo Walcott scored, which is, you know, a red, a red letter day all around, isn't it? But I, I think the interesting thing was that Cody missed the game for Wolves, which is about the first game he's missed probably ever. Um, and Wolves changed to a back four as a result and um, didn't look as strong, but looked better going forward. So food for thought for Nuno, but I think a draw is probably fair for where these two teams are. Yeah, I, I watched the first half um, and Southampton were, I, for, for me, I thought Southampton were the much better team in, in the first half. Wolves didn't look overly comfortable with the back four, but uh, they seemed to obviously at half-time, Nuno probably had a word with them and sorted them out a bit. But um, yeah, pretty, a fair, for having watched the game, it was, it was a fair result. Neither team really did enough. To, to go and win that game. But um, Southampton, you know, that's decent points about Wolves, to be fair. Keep, where does that put them in the league now? It's fifth in the league. So, yeah, not not bad. Yeah, real, more, more than not bad to crack and start for Southampton to the season. Yeah, no, I think I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Southampton. It winds a few guys up in the WhatsApp group as well, which is always <laughs> good. Yeah. Um, but I think they've got one of the one of the better manager coaches in the league in in Hatton and stuck by and well. We mention it all the time that nine 0 So yeah, no, it was good. Nice way to nice way to end the weekend. Um, so lads, we'll we will wrap that up there. Um, Dave, where can the, the lovely listeners find you online and any Chapman pods coming up? Uh, I am on Twitter at cm nine seven nine eight. Um, we're hoping to have the pod done this week. Um, we've got a few guests lined up. We're just scheduling the interviews now, so hopefully we'll be out probably later this week or early next week. Excellent. And Simon, where can I find you online? Uh, yeah, on Twitter, at Sio Regan. And you can find the podcast at Man in the Post on all your social media channels where Chris wonderfully... Um, Posts up everything that everything that we can do, and you can get in touch with us there as well for any suggestions, any any thoughts or opinions on our on our ramblings. Um, so thanks again, you two, for joining us. Thank you, Cheers, Ali. Thank you. Thank you very much. And always remember to keep your man in the post.